0: to Rising Above with Becky Davidson.
1: There was no preparation for what we were going to face with Wrigley. Doesn't change the love that we have for him by any stretch of the imagination, but we had no idea.
0: Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson.
2: Hey, friends, I am so glad that you are joining us for this week's episode. And today you are going to get to meet our newest Rising Above community group leader, Scott Malsby. And Scott is a licensed health and life insurance agent in Nashville, Tennessee. He has a passion for giving back to his community and strives to make a difference in the lives of children. Currently, Scott lives in Lebanon, Tennessee with his wife, Carrie, and their three children. Jackson, Zoe, and Ridley. Scott and Carrie are former foster parents of the year from 2014 in Florida, and they have adopted two children, one with special needs. Scott leads a group for special needs dads for Rising Above via Zoom every Wednesday evening, and if you want to learn more about Scott's group or any of our other Rising Above community groups, Just click the link in the show notes and you can find out more information about all of our groups and when they meet throughout the week. So here's the conversation I had with Scott Malsby. Hey, Scott. Thanks so much for joining us for the podcast today. I am so excited to have you here and to hear more about your story. So thanks for being here.
1: You bet, Becky. Thanks for having me.
2: Well, you and I have just really, honestly, today met And so I need to know more about your story. So just tell our listeners a little bit about your story, about your journey, and tell us where you live, anything you want us to know about Scott and his crew.
1: Fantastic. Well, um, I would start back born and raised in Pittsburgh, moved to Virginia to go to college, and then ended up in Florida and. um and that's kind of where the story with my family starts. Um, I got saved late in life. So uh, I was in my, uh, I think I was 32 or 33 when I got saved. And so, um, I kind of had a late start was single, never married, no kids and, and found myself in Florida. And that's where I met my bride. Uh, her name is Carrie. And, uh, we, we had a, you know, a, a short courtship, got married, and just knew uh, right away that uh, that was, you know, that was what our future looked like. That was our, um, that God had put us together. And so um, through that process, um, we, uh, you know, Carrie had always wanted to foster uh, foster and adopt children. Her mother uh, was a foster parent, um, you know, back in the days when they would just show up at your door with uh, a, a child and say, here, can you do this? And, and, you know, fast forward uh, however many years and they started to, you know, test the temperature of your refrigerator and your water before they let you foster kids. So things changed mm-hmm. quickly, but um, right. ultimately, ultimately we, we became foster parents and that's kind of where things would pick up in our story. And uh, we, we fostered nine different children and uh, over the course of like four, maybe five years. And, we were always open to adoption and um, Ridley uh, and actually our other son, Jackson, both came to us through adoption, through uh, the foster care system in Florida. And so um, what was special about Ridley was we knew um, that there was something different in his, um, uh, you know, his medical history or whatever. And when you're in a foster care situation. There's HIPAA and there's all these other things that they don't necessarily have the ability or the, uh, they're not allowed to share certain things with you. And so all they could do was give us some small pieces of information that helped us to know that, um, he was, uh, most likely going to have an intellectual disability. And, um, that's how it was presented to us, uh, was this, yeah. this child is one year old. And he is, um, you know, probably, you know, they knew family history-wise what was potentially down the road. And he was presented to us and um, we just, uh, we prayed about it. We felt really comfortable with everything we had heard and uh, the rest is history. And so we adopted him through the foster care system.
2: And so he was a year old when he came to be part of your family through adoption. And, and you know, you, you kind of, it sounds like you had a little bit of an idea of what his challenges might be, but did it turn out to be something different maybe than what you were expecting initially when he was a year old?
1: I always tell people, um, in fact, I just was asked this past weekend uh, at a family wedding uh, about, you know, can you, can you help me understand adoption and fostering I said, there is nothing that anybody can teach you. You can't Mm -hmm. read it in a book. You can't, there's just nothing. I've been through the trainings four different times because we had to get licensed four different times for whatever reason. And there's nothing that prepares you for it. Um, You know, you can get a CPR class and you can do all these other things, but they can't prepare you for it. And I can tell you that we had, there was no preparation for what we Mm -hmm. had Uh, what we were going to face with Ridley. And so it doesn't change the love that we have for him by any stretch of the imagination, Mm -hmm. but we had no idea. Uh, We, we talked to people, we asked some questions, we, you know, went down a couple of different paths and at the end of the day, where we are now eight years later is nowhere even close to what anybody Mm -hmm. or anything we thought, uh, that we would be dealing with. And so, you know, and the good and the bad. Um, But ultimately there, there was no preparation and um, everything that we thought was wrong. And so many things that there, there were so many things that we could never have thought about um, or, or that that nobody had even been down that path before uh, to tell Mm -hmm. us to even put it on the radar.
2: Wow. And, you know, so often uh, when we start learning of our children's unique needs and their differences and the challenges they're going to face, there's this feeling of kind of a death of dreams. You know, I know my husband always wrote about he had these dreams of having a son and they would go to University of Tennessee football games together and they would play basketball out in the driveway like he and his dad used to do. And then, when he started realizing that was not going to be the reality for him as a dad, he had to grieve those losses. Was that something that you experienced as well um, when you started discovering these things after you know maybe being so excited to be having a son?
1: Absolutely, I think um, you know, and realistically, that happened with both of my boys. Uh, both of my sons are uh, in that same boat, and and so I you know would would say that all the talk about, uh, different dream parenting and all these other things, there's a lot of books that cover that topic and different, um, uh, you know, uh, videos or, you know, conversations, even things you find in, in conferences, we'll talk about that. And it's a hundred percent true. Um, there are just some preconceived, uh, expectations, whatever you call that, when you're, uh, raising children that, it's going to be a little bit like what your mom and dad did with you, and, and and some sort of an expectation there. There's going to be interest. I remember with my dad. My, my dad passed away in January, so I had a lot of time, you know, over the last uh, you know nine, ten months to to reflect on his life and my life with him. And so, you know, some of the fondest memories I have are playing catch in the front yard baseball. Like I just, I lived for that. And he was a baseball player and almost made it to the professional level and, and has a great story there. And so that was something that like, no matter what I felt inside, if if we were having a, you know, because we, we have some problems in our family, just like any other family, but no matter how you felt, no matter what was said the night before, no matter what happened um, there was, we could go outside and I could pitch and he would catch and nothing else mattered in that time, in that moment. And I can, I can remember even getting on that mound when my dad was the coach and he was, and I was pitching and just, just being in a zone that just nobody else could enter that. It was me and him talking with the different signals and whatever. And that game was all that mattered. And that catcher's mitt, I couldn't see anything else. I couldn't hear anything else. I could see my dad and I could see a catcher's mitt. Um, I don't have that with either of my boys and that doesn't mm. mean that they're any less special to me or that we don't have any other special moments it's just different and so I don't always some, there's times where I don't even know that I'm having a special moment until it's over mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. I'm I'm waiting for that opportunity to have the baseball moment or the or golf would be another mm-hmm. one there were times when golf mm-hmm. was was something that my dad and I shared that language. The language of golf Mm -hmm. bonded us, right? And so um, there are times when it's like, oh, I didn't even realize that I just had one of those moments with Ridley or Jackson, Mm -hmm. and I missed it. Or I I need to look for that the next time because that's Mm -hmm. how we're going to do this. It's going to be a little different than what I did with my dad. Yeah.
2: So, you know, what, what happens when you don't manage those expectations, you know, when you don't, uh, when we get stuck in that place of grief, you know, what, what, how did that impact you? And then kind of, how do you move through that?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it affects everything, you know, in my, in my life, it affects, um, my marriage. It affects my work. Uh, it affects my physical, like my health. You know, it affects all those things. And so, you know, it, it comes out in different, um, you know, I, I, I'm not an expert on grief. I'm not an expert on anything emotional. Uh, you know, my uh, I think there's, you know, my wife would joke that I don't have any feelings. Uh, so, you know, I'll just leave it at that. But um, I do understand the grieving process. I do understand that mm-hmm. there's negotiation and there's anger and there's, you know, different things. And so I, I think if you look at the different stages, you know, as you grieve, two different children as, you know, as you, as you, um, you know, as you grieve, you know, different things like my, my wife and I experienced, um, a miscarriage. And so there's a lot of grief in there. Right. And so, um, and then, you know, the passing of my father and different things, grief comes in and out. And so you don't know sometimes when that denial, when that negotiation, when that anger, you know, those types of things, they come out in different ways. And they come out at different times, and so you have um, you have to try to navigate that, I and mean, it affects every aspect of my life. And I've watched that. That's a, that's another side effect of raising um, special needs children. Is I've watched my career sort of deteriorate a little bit um, mm-hmm. because yeah, I was always a leader and a manager of big companies and, and uh, lots of people, and was, was was sort of had to wear the company, tow the company live, whatever you want to call that. And can't do that anymore. Uh, It's just, there's too much. I've got to be available emotionally to too many different people. And most of it has to come from home. Um, It it, it can't always come from from work. So there's another side effect there. But certainly, um, I would say, you know, my my physical health, I I gained weight. Um, I went through, um, you know, just all kinds of, you know, different things with high blood pressure and other things that came along with the stress uh, of not being able to manage uh, those expectations and and the things that were taking place.
2: Yeah. And it's so challenging. And, you know, moms and dads, as you well know, come at this at different, you know, different ways with different lenses. And so, you know, I love hearing a dad's perspective because so often on our show, we have mom's perspectives. And so I think it's important to hear how that impacted you and, and, you know, that impacted your career and impacted your marriage in all the different ways. And, you know, you shared a little bit about your son Ridley and about, you know, this journey has not been easy. In fact, you guys have just recently gone through some really um, challenging experiences and, you know, what would you like to share about that?
1: Yeah, just, uh, just a few weeks ago. Now this is, you know, of course it, Everybody says, well, what happened? Um, and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you and I understand, and some of the listeners will understand that this has been in the works for eight years, and it just mm-hmm. finally peaked at a certain time. Um, but, it, it, you know, on paper, it looks like there was, oh, something must have happened on this date, right. and that's caused this. But um, at the end of the day, um, you know, Ridley, you know, when a, when a little three-year-old, you know, slaps you in the face because he's angry, Nah, no big deal. It doesn't hurt, you know. It doesn't, and it, and you, you see toddlers doing that all the time, everywhere you go, right? And then when he's five, and then when he's seven, and eventually it starts to hurt, and some of that aggression, some of that anger that might be coming out, or agitation, whatever the word is that you want to use, um, eventually it starts to to hurt. Eventually it starts to cause damage to your home and different things, and so it just continued to escalate. And we worked with, we've got three or four different doctors that we kind of use a team approach as we look at medication management, as we look at behavioral management and different things with Ridley. And every one of them just basically said, there's not much more we can do. If things continue, uh, we would recommend that you take them to the emergency room and ask them for a psych evaluation. And so, we did that, and it was a terrible, terrible experience. I, would, I wouldn't tell anybody to ever do that again. Uh, you know, it's just oh, terrible. Um, we spent six days in, a, in an emergency room. Uh, eventually, we were in a room, but the, the, the answer from a medical hospital. And I, I'm not I'm not throwing stones at anybody. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody out there that doesn't know how to handle these situations is doing the best they can, and God bless them right. for trying. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, we were we were in a 10 foot by 20 foot room that had a bed and a TV. And it right. was like, hey, we need you to stay here for about a week. And we're going to try to get you transported to a hospital outside of the state of Tennessee because there's nobody mm-hmm. in the state that can do it. And there's a waiting list and, and we're not, we have to get a prior authorization and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I understand correctly, you just said you want to keep my son and me in a room 10 foot by 20 foot and we can't go outside that door for a week. (laughs) So I just, I just kind of laughed. And and then we just, we hung in there as long as we could. And eventually the story ends with him uh, being uh, transported into an acute facility um, in in Georgia, and then also being referred to the residential program uh, for uh, about 60 days. And so we are very hopeful that we will um, get, maybe some medication adjustments and some uh, more tools in our toolbox, more uh, Mm -hmm. behavioral resources that we can work with. Um, And and quite frankly, Becky, here's that magic word, the the respite. You know, that's, I mean, gosh, how many times are we going to say it as parents? Um, you know, I mean, just, just to be honest with you, you know, having a couple of nights of sleep, um, you know, is changing my wife and my other two children. Uh, Mm-hmm. And, and different, you know, things are happening in our home uh, because of, of of that. So, um, at the end of the day, we're, we're hopeful, uh, but we won't go through that again. That'll be that'll be the last time we go through, um, you know, a hospital environment uh, to to end up where we are today. And and again, it's something that nobody could have prepared us for. That, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've heard other horror stories since. You know, once we kind of got into the club. <laughs> if you right. will, you know, we're, you now, now we're in the club. So, you know, they start yeah. introducing don't you to all. I don't want to be a member. Nope. I don't want to be a member oh. of that one, but I'm in. And so, yeah. um, you know, you, you, they get it. They introduce you to all these other people that have done it. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, I wish I could have talked to them like a month ago. Right. Because uh, I would have right. gone a different direction on this path. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, I can only imagine. How challenging it was leading up to that decision. You know, that that's not an easy decision to make to go, you know, we're going to, we, we're we going to go to this impatient route for mm-hmm. a season and how, you know, all the things that must have gone on to get you to that point. And then now that you're there, the grief that's got to be surrounded even by that, you know, even though you know he's getting help, but that there's got to be sadness that is wrapped around that, and so how have all these challenges impacted your family? How has it impacted your marriage? How has it impacted your other children? Um, as you've been facing all of these different hardships,
1: it, you know it, it, what you said there. You know, brought something to mind, and, and this it's worth mentioning because you you know you talk about that you're you're talking to a dad and not a mom, and so biblically we're the leaders of our home, and so it's not always easy to be the leader um, you know when you when you translate it a lot of times when you when you're talking to somebody about being the leader you you look at it as being the CEO and so you you say well I'm the CEO I have to make the hard decisions I have to do the hard things but I'm also responsible for that other person that does something that may not be desirable right and in some cases the CEOs get fired or get you know, moved into something else or the board <laughs> has a vote of non-confidence mm-hmm. or whatever, right? So I, it's hard being a dad. You're going to make decisions that number one um, are, are sometimes wrong and number two, they affect the whole family. And so that's what's happening in this role. And so I have, I've been fortunate in the business side of things to always have really good mentors. And then, you know, you have all this time to build experience and learn things. And then when I got, out on my own as a CEO and a vice president in different roles, it was fairly easy to make decisions because you've seen it before in other places. As a special needs dad and trying to navigate this thing, I have no idea. I really don't. You know, sometimes you're just, you're just doing what is the next best thing and you're picking, you're you're making a choice out of three, all three choices that you have have bad outcomes. Mm-hmm. And it's just what is going to be the best of the worst. Right. And so, yeah. you know, making the decision to drive over to the emergency room was very hard. You know, making the decision to try different medications, not knowing what to expect. Those are hard decisions. Make, making decisions to, you know, pursue a different therapist or pursue a different, uh, you know, place to go for ABA or these different things. Those, those are hard. Um, those are hard things. And then the part that you don't really... Even sometimes, well, the part that I didn't see until later in the game was the the damage that was happening in my wife, the damage that was happening in my other son and my and my daughter, the things that are a little bit less. Like it, it took longer for that to happen, but the, the, for them coming to me saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm scared, or mm. um. You know whatever the word might be, whatever that emotion might be, um, that's a hard one because you never want to. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at this as you know, as you know, with with, with your husband. Um, there, there's there's a high calling for people with uh, children that have special needs, and so you you, you question it. You, you know, I sit there and I go, God, are are you called me to do this? But it's it's damaging my wife and my kids and even me, and I don't understand it, and so. I think that, in that regard, God has a story and but but I don't know the ending and and that's scary uh He does, and I've got to trust that He knows what this looks like in twenty forty sixty years um mm-hmm. but but I don't see it, and I don't understand it today, and neither do my wife and my children and so at some level, this is that faith walk that you. Travel each and every day, and it it tests the limits. And I can mm-hmm. remember being in that emergency room or in the hospital or whatever, and I would just I would go into the bathroom. They have you had, you had to get permission to unlock the bathroom, and so you go in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and they and, mm-hmm. and 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 that's where I would cry. You know, I am not going to let my son see me crying because mm-hmm. you know I don't want that to affect his emotional state. But I am also at the same time that I am crying in the bathroom. I'm also saying this is not, not today, Satan, Mm -hmm. not today. And I just have to, I have to do that uh, a lot, daily, Mm -hmm. sometimes hourly, and just it's not Mm -hmm. today. You're you're not going to get in there today. Mm -hmm. Uh, This this is the glory is going to go to to God in this story, and so. You know, you, you can throw it. You, you go ahead, throw it all at me. I'll take it. Uh, but, but this is—you're not going to win this this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, if I'm being real, sometimes he does win the day, but he's not going to win the, the war. He will—he'll win the battle, but he won't win the war. Yeah. And we know the end of the story, so I can I can know that that's the way it's going to be.
2: You know, I've I uh, in my late husband's book, he uh, wrote about kind of you know the father's role as kind of being the watchman in the tower you know, watching over what's taking place in the family. Uh, do you kind of see that as your role as a dad, um, being the one kind of on guard and, and checking to make sure your family, you know, is protected and, and um, you know, having that watchman role?
1: It is. It, it, it's, it's, it's certainly, um, in, in fact, I've got a little bit of security in my background and, and built church security teams and stuff. So, so you look at it from a perspective of even just the physical protection that you can do uh, or be a part of for, for your wife and your children. But yes, there's no doubt that, that that's part of the, the, the role as a father. That's part of the job. Uh, that's part of what God calls us men to do is be that watchman. And, and so there, there's times, um, that, that, I don't even see it coming until it's too late. And that's, that's, you know, that's the challenge of trying to balance all that. If I was just home with my son all day, or if I was just at work all day, or if I was just with my wife all day, all these things would be easy, but trying to do all of it together with all of the complex needs makes it almost impossible.
2: Well, and that's where we have to rely on God, isn't it? You know, to relying on God to come and and uh, give us the wisdom and the discernment that we need to walk this path that we're on. Um, you know, I know even with all the challenges that you faced with your son Ridley, that there are many things uh, about your son that you just love. And so what are some of the things that you love most about Ridley and you know, what would you, you know, when people see your son, what is it that you hope that they see in him?
1: That's a, 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 it's a question that I could I could spend hours answering. And so, the the first thing I would say, the thing I love most about him is his smile and his laugh. And, and if you can get him laughing and giggling and and smiling at you, um, it, it, it's contagious. And so, um, you know, if, if I wish everybody could experience that, and if there was a way to bottle it up. I'd never have to work a day in my life. Uh, it would be, you know, it would be great for everybody. He really has a passion for um, a few different things that I'm, ho- I'm hoping we are able to find a way to channel it. He, he loves racing cars and monster trucks and and and, and fast and loud things. And so, um, you know, I, in fact, I, um, a, a very long story short, um, it really doesn't share his emotions with us very often, uh, but there was a time when we were looking at doing this kind of a, it's called a, a, a quarter midget racing. It's uh, it's a, it's a big go-kart is what, is what it basically is. And, and, and there's a, a local uh, group that was so welcoming to Ridley and we were looking at maybe even buying one of these cars and letting him do it like on a regular basis. And so, this man pulls into our driveway and he opens up the hatch of a trailer and there's a car in there and Ridley mm-hmm. sees it. And he turns to me and says, I love you, daddy. And gave me a big hug because he mm-hmm. thought I was you know, buying him this car and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I can count on one hand how many times he voluntarily says, I love you, daddy. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I cherish that, that moment, but, um, you know, he, um, he, he has, he, he's not going to have the, Educational side of things with the ABC. I always say the ABCs and the one, two, threes. Um, but he is um, I, the, the word would be street smart, and so um, you know, I, I I do feel that someday there will be um, you know we'll, we'll understand his calling and what it's going to be that he'll do. There's there's hope that one day maybe he's going to um, you know operate some heavy machinery or something. He likes big trucks and big you know and, and bulldozers and and all the different, uh, you know, heavy machinery that you see around. Um, but he's really, um, and and one more thing too, music. Um, we, we, I had no idea, but he put him in front of a piano and he can sort of understand, um, the, the different tones and the different things that are, um, I don't even know how to speak that language because I'm just some completely not music. Um, but he's, he's starting to learn or see that and hear that. And so we're trying mm-hmm. to feed, we're trying to feed that as well. And the, mm-hmm. so those are things that I would look at that, that I see him excelling in that maybe someday, like our, our dream you mentioned earlier about the, the, the dream, right? And so our dream is that and our hope is that one day he could live independently, maybe even be married, and, and have a family and be able to provide and, and do you know uh, those things now will he be able to live by himself maybe maybe not um, but with the help of a wife and and you know maybe have a family and, and that type of thing uh, that's certainly our, our dream uh, for him and um, you know the the watching him develop he, he's nine and a half but mentally and, and developmentally about three and a half or four. Mm-hmm. Um, but, there, but there's been a, a lot of a lot more gain recently. And so we're hopeful that that would um, grow and that that would continue to, um, to prosper in a sense that, that he can catch up a little bit. Um, that, that would be our, our hope there for him long term. Um, but he is, he is a good brother and he is a good um, son, and he's uh, encouraging for my other two kids that are home. Uh, we have two older daughters that are out of the home. And so he's, um, you know, encouraging for them as well. And, um, you know, he, he pushes all of us. I think the part that people forget is that God's using this. He's using Ridley as a way to teach all of us compassion and help remind us um, that, that there's, there's a bigger purpose. So we're grateful for
2: that piece of it. So true. And, you know, it's amazing how our kids just, you know, we can see things in them that maybe other people don't see and just the beauty of their lives. And um, I just I love what you were sharing about him.
0: At Rising Above, we strive to bring hope to families raising children with special needs. One of the ways we do this is through our online community groups. We encourage everyone to grab a cup of coffee or tea and sit down to engage with one another in meaningful gospel-centered conversation. So join us. Hey, to learn more, see the link in the show notes.
2: You know, we here at Rising Above, we are super big believers in the importance of being in community because, you know, doing this life, just hearing part of your story, uh, we need to have other people around us cheering us on, encouraging us, lifting us up when we're going through the hard times. And so you were have been part of the group that we have for dads and you have just recently taken over the leadership role of that group. And so you're one of our brand new Rising Above community group leaders. And so tell us a little bit about your group and what made you want to, first of all, be in a group and then being willing to take over the leadership of that group.
1: Absolutely, I'm going to take a half a step back though because this reminds me that with with that Ridley needs to be in community too, mm-hmm. and so many people forget that. And his desire when we were in that hospital room, there was a day where there was a nurse, and then this person called a sitter that basically sits outside of the room that they just made everything about Ridley that he they would we would he would do things in the hospital that, that, and then he would say, go get everybody. And so like the nurses would gather all the nurses and they would come to the doorway and he would show them his dress up costume or whatever, the dance mm. or whatever. And so that community like really needs, needed that attention. He needed people to care about him and, and to, 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 show that they were, they were in his life. And that translates exactly into what you just said. I, I it was around COVID that I was introduced to rising above and found the the Sunday night support group. And, and Rob Pierce was the leader. And and so Sunday nights I was meeting with these, these uh, funny looking guys from all over the country. And most of them uh, have less hair than I did. So I knew I was in the right place. (laughs) And so at some level um, I I can say Becky, that that those men, whether they realize it or not saved my life a couple of times. Wow. I've shared Mm. with them a couple of different times on Sunday nights that I, I'd get on. And there were days where I, I would I would talk the entire time <laughs> or mm-hmm. there were times where I wouldn't say a word because I was like mm-hmm. falling off the ledge or about to jump off the yeah. ledge. And they were the only right. thing keeping me from jumping, <laughs> so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so at right. the end of the day, I've gone to those guys and I've even said to them in the group a couple of times that that there's there's days where that's the lifeline because I don't have mm-hmm. to explain it. I don't have to, I don't need them to try to solve my son's behavior or to solve my marriage or to solve whatever, because they've all been there and they know how hard it is. And they also know that there isn't a solution. There isn't an answer. Uh, It's just, Mm -hmm. that's just the way it is. Right. And so I don't have to explain it. And and there's just that understanding. And that's what I personally believe is so important about being in that type of a support group. And so. when, when we were looking at uh, or when you guys were looking at growing um, and, and you know, changing and make, making different days and different times available, I think it's super important that, uh, you know, as you and I have talked about offline, you know, if it were up to me, there would be a different group every hour on the hour, you know, mm. and, and to be able to. that if you just needed to plug in, you plug in because there mm. are times that you just can't get through a, a, an hour or a day or a week or whatever it is without having other people that you can talk to and that's going to come only from, only from the same sex. You know, that's why we have men's groups and women's groups. Right. Mm-hmm. And then only mm-hmm. from men that understand. And they don't, if it's the same special need, great. You know, it's a little bit, you know, you have a little bit more in common, but it doesn't need to be, you know, I can, right. I can talk to somebody that whose kids have a completely different, um, you know, medical or behavioral need. Um, than mine, but we still understand how complex that is Mm -hmm. and how challenging that is. And there's a, there's a connection there. And then to share in suffering, I think that, you know, people forget that I, at least the Bible that I read, Becky, I don't know. Some people have a different Bible, I guess, because they're talking about happiness and all this other stuff. And don't get me wrong, being happy is fantastic. Uh, But I just, I only see joy in the Lord. I don't see happiness in the Bible, right? I mean, th- th- yeah, certainly you, you, you want to be happy and celebrate when you can, um, but the Bible is full of suffering and the mm-hmm. Bible is full of, um, you know, uh, hard things uh, that, that that even the best people in the Bible uh, had hard things to deal with. And then, of course, mm-hmm. our, our Savior has the hardest thing ever to deal with um, in the crucifixion. And so... You know, I, I I tell people in the in the men's groups, or I tell people when I see them one on one. You know, we're never closer to God than when we're suffering. Um, he more than anybody understands that, and so He's right there with us in that suffering, and it helps us. It helps us know that He's close. It helps us know that He's um, he, He's He's thinking about us. That He's got some. We have something in common with our Savior. Uh, if, if you if you go from your the beginning of your christian walk to the to the day he calls us home and everything's great something went wrong you know, there, 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 there there there's not a single story in the bible that talks about that so mm-hmm. and there's something happened you know you you have yeah. to go back and go let me reexamine this i don't know what happened but it didn't it didn't work out the way it was supposed to and so at the end of the day um, I, I look at this group of men uh, um, from Sunday night, and now the one that we have on Wednesday night, and some of them, you know, are in both nights and whatever. Um, but but these are some men that have really walked out this faith, walked out this suffering, and are still doing it with a joyful heart, and still um, just as weak as the next guy, um, and only gets their strength from the Lord. There's just, there's just no other explanation. Uh, to how we make it through a day or a week, um, mm-hmm. uh, or how we, you know, do this with our wife or do this with our other kids or whatever it might be. And so that's, that's the best way I can answer that one is just it, it's, it's truly the fellowship that, uh, I'm, mm-hmm. um, I'm really grateful that rising above, um, you know, has people literally all over the country. Like you mentioned previously, all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. and to be able to connect. Um, you know it's not a church but it's fellowship and it's right. you know it's a it's a scenario where we can feed off of each other's uh, strengths and we can fill in the gaps on those weaknesses mm-hmm. and we can share in the joy and we can share in the sorrows and suffer together and I, I I love that part of the ministry
2: you know I think a lot of times dads are more hesitant to join in groups like you know our mom groups for moms that we have you know, lots of moms all around the world in the the different groups, but dad groups, it's dads sometimes have a more challenging time wanting to sign up. And I think sometimes they feel like they maybe have to come in and just bare their soul and, you know, sit and cry and sing, you know, my husband, my husband would joke and, you know, we're not going to make you sit around, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. You know, that's not what, what takes place here. And so (laughs) what would you say to that dad who may be struggling or maybe even say to the, to the wife who's listening to encourage the dad to come and be part of, of being in a community with other dads who get it and understand?
1: Yeah, the first thing I would say would be um, show up for three weeks. Mm. I, I, I tell everybody that, you know, that I, I, there's a couple of dads that um, I've talked to before they showed up on zoom, you know, when I say show up, remember with, you know, show up on zoom, you know, you, you can, right. you can even press the mute button and people don't even know what you're really doing. Right. <laughs> right. So you, you right. can, you can use zoom to, to hide if you have to. Um, but I always, when I'm talking to them on the phone and, and a lot of times, um, there's questions about well, what, what do you guys do? What do you talk about? What do you, you know, all those things. And, and, I can lay out and we can talk about the devotion that we're doing. We can talk about scripture that we're reading or whatever. At the end of the day, I tell people show up for three sessions, three weeks. And even if you don't say a word, just, just be there for three weeks. Stay for the whole hour. You know, don't come in 30 minutes late and leave 10 minutes early and try to pretend like you were there. Um, But, but just, you know, Commit to it's like three. I'm asking you for three hours of your life, mm-hmm. three hours of your right. you know, time, and and if it doesn't do something to you, then don't come back. Right. But but I'm I'm so one hundred percent sure that if you do three times, it will make an impact on you whether you like it or not. Uh, that 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 you'll keep coming back, and that's kind of what we've seen. Is uh, you know when we get guys that that that. Are there three times or more? Um, It becomes Mm -hmm. because they hear enough from other people, and they realize Mm -hmm. that they don't have to explain themselves and all this other stuff. And so that would be the the first thing I would say is is just show up. And and I've I've learned in my old age uh, that that you know sometimes life is you know that ninety percent of it is just like show up, like put your clothes on, comb your hair, Mm -hmm. and show up. And and yeah. see what happens, and and I've yet to have anybody go. Eh, you know, you guys are a bunch of dorks. So I don't want to be around you, and we're not, I'm not coming back. We're done. No right. one, no one said that so far. So far, right? Or maybe they're telling other people, when just not telling us. It's <laughs> just, fair. That's fair. Showing up. so That's good. <laughs> but at the you end know. of the day, yeah. So yeah. so, but, but yeah. ultimately, the the rest will work itself out. Um, mm-hmm. and the the, the the you know, I guess it's that we're two or more gathered, and so right. we we are there. There, there's, there's the Holy Spirit is there, and so we, uh, no matter what we talk about, no matter how it plays out with how much time we spend on this and how much time we spend on that, and how much time does Scott speak, and how much time does Glenn speak, or whoever you know it is, mm-hmm. uh, it, no, no, none of that matters at the end of it because when I I have yet to have a Sunday night or a Wednesday night where I didn't leave better off than i came than i when i got there yeah and so yeah. I, I would say that that and i bet you if we took that's a, a win poll, it's a win that's and if, if that's, that's all if that's all you get for the day and as a special needs parent that, that's a big win and so you take that and you use that to get through the, the day of the week or whatever
2: so great so great so encouraging and so you know when does your group meet? I know it's Wednesdays, but what time? Does We're Wednesday your group
1: meet? nights. It's Wednesdays at seven p.m. Central, and so we've got right. uh, we've got people on the East Coast, we've got people on the West Coast, and it just works. The timing of it works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's there's no pressure to um, you know if you have to do it in your car, if you have to do it while you're right. at the soccer game, or while you're at the thing, or if you're in the middle of changing a diaper, or if you have to step away to change a diaper, like, mm-hmm. whatever, just just right. show up. Um, we get mm-hmm. it. Uh, if, if, you know, if I could give you a hug through the computer screen, I would. <laughs> uh, if yeah. we could, if we could cook hamburgers and hand them to you through mm-hmm. the zoom, we would. Um, but, yeah. but at the end of the day, um, there's no pressure. There is no perfection yeah. there. You know, we're all equally broken. Um, mm-hmm. We don't expect that you're going to cry. We don't expect that you're going to laugh. We just expect you to show up. And that's it. Yeah. And if you show up, that's that, it. That's it. And, and the rest will fall into place. And I'm fairly confident in saying that you're going to meet some guys that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. And that you, mm-hmm. over the course of time, and I'm not saying in the first three weeks, you're going to start trusting people with your life. But over the course of time, when something goes sideways in your life, you're going to think, I need to call one of those guys. And that's mm-hmm. what happened with me was like I there, in, instinctively, when things were going south or even if things were going good, um, I would think I need to give Rob a call. Mm-hmm. I need to give this person a call. You know, mm-hmm. I need to I need to or even if, it, you know, a lot of times we text each other because we both we all know we're trying to we're trying to work. We're trying to work right. on our marriage. We're trying to deal with diapers and things and feeding tubes and all the different stuff that comes with our lives. So we don't have a ton of time to be on the phone. And so it might just be a simple text. But, but those are the yeah. people that I started wanting to share with mm-hmm. right away. Like it, it's yeah. instinctively, hey, I got to tell them. Or you get excited mm-hmm. because you're, you know Wednesday night you get to tell them the story mm, or so whatever great. it is. Or yeah. um, as an example, like what I was going through with my son, I knew that when I got on there and shared with them that we were in a hospital and whatever, I knew that they would understand, that they would get it mm-hmm. and that they would, yeah. um, they would know uh, I know they're praying for me. I know that they are there for me if I need something. And I know that they understand. Yeah,
2: yeah. That that connection is so important. And just knowing that you're not alone. We're not meant to do this by ourselves. And so, you know, we will be sure to put a link to your community group sign up in the show notes. So listeners can easily go and find that. And so I just I thank you for stepping up and being willing to to take a leadership role in that because I know you're impacting the lives of the dads in your group. And you know Scott, as you look back over your life, uh, it hasn't been easy. You've had hard things that you've faced and but what would you say? What are ways that you rise above your circumstances and find joy in your story?
1: I think that if you had asked me that question, before Jesus, I would have had a different answer. So I'm really glad that I'm in this part of my life to be able to answer that because um, without the Lord, none of this would even be happening. I, I wouldn't be able to rise above. I wouldn't be in a position right now. I would be a statistic without Jesus. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, 86% was the last number I heard. I've had people tell me it's more than that now. Uh, of marriages and special needs families and in divorce and so i would be that statistic um mm-hmm. i i see so many dads that just walk away uh that that you know I, i've heard so many stories uh you know i'm i'm an advocate in in the state of tennessee for all things with you know um disabilities so you know not just for my son but for everybody and so you i run into people all over the place and all over uh, social media and There's so many stories of single moms doing this and going, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do it because my husband just left. And so I would have been one of those. I can tell you there's been there's been time. I mean, the fact that I still even let that cross my mind every now and then, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I know, you know, saying that out loud is even hard to do. But but that still Mm -hmm. crosses my mind. Now, that's Mm -hmm. one of those days where I have to remind Satan that he's not going to win right yeah that, that's that, that yeah yeah that came in my my, my mind but it's it's going right mm-hmm. back out um right. but but there's there's no doubt um so so my 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 walk with the lord would be a way that i rise above um the, being in community with these men is another way that i rise above here's the, here's the kicker for me this is this is just how i'm wired i'm a recovered alcoholic and that's how i came to christ and so if you just look at that model you know, not that that's there, there's, you know, there's people that would argue for and against, you know, that that model. But the whole purpose of like an AA or that type of world is that you work with somebody who's done it before and you, mm-hmm. you get through something very difficult. And then the way that you keep it fresh so that you don't revert back to bad behaviors or whatever is that you help the next person coming in, the, the person that just walked mm-hmm. in the door. And so if I look at that model in my brain, the, the piece that I love is helping other people. And so through, yeah, you know, I just mentioned earlier, when I went to the hospital, um, I got connected to some parents that are further down the, li- the, the road than, than I am. Like you're an example of that as well. You're further down the road than I am. And so I, I met people that have, have been raising their children for 20, 25, 30 years and that's where they are, and and I'm only what eight years in, and and then I meet somebody whose kid just got diagnosed yesterday, mm-hmm. and I'm able to go. I can help that person because I'm mm-hmm. eight years ahead of that person, right? And but I'm still twenty five years behind this person, and so mm-hmm. what? That's what does it for me. Helping other people. My, my wife makes fun of me all the time. She's like, "You you want to help the world?" And I'm like it's kind of selfish because I'm helping myself Mm -hmm. and and I, you know, I, I, I I the line there sometimes because I, I feed off of it. It helps. It gives me strength to, to help somebody else when they can't get, Durable medical equipment, when they don't know what medication to ask for, when they don't know what doctor to ask for, when they don't know who to call at Blue Care or whatever the scenario is, right? right? When I can just right. give them that little thing, because it might take me three hours to try to figure that out, or it did, and all I had to do was ask somebody else. And now I can right. save because I know how vital that three hours might be in my life, whether it's sleep mm-hmm. or whether it's you know not having to be on a phone with an 800 number or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so um, being able to uh, to be an advocate is another way to rise above. Um, yeah. I think the, uh, the part that I am not very good at, that I would also add to that category would be the self-care side of it. And so I would encourage anybody that's listening to, to add that in because I've let that part of my life go and uh, I need to get that back. Um, mm-hmm. I was much better off with my wife and my kids and everything that I was doing when I was better physically and healthier. so. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, Scott, I just thank you so much for your time and for your willingness to come share part of your story with us and um, for your just leadership with with the other dads. And so just thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Well, Becky, thanks for having me. Uh, Your your husband's had a humongous impact on my life and I never even got the chance to meet him. And so just know that... um, I personally appreciate what you do. I personally appreciate him and uh, the two of you blazing the trail and being further down the path uh, than me. So thank you and uh, keep up the good fight. Thanks, Scott.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson, created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, joy can be found in every story.